Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, and how are you getting on? And I hope you're doing well. And thank you very much for joining me here today on the Own Colgan Experience podcast show that comes out every Thursday, sometimes Friday, and sometimes the weekend. And I'm delighted to have you join me today on today's Thursday. You can listen to this any day of the week, whatever suits you. I don't mind. I'm just happy to have you here. Thank you very much. And um, before we get into it anymore, I a uh, couple of things just wanted to talk about. I had to go to the dentist the other day in Dublin to get a tooth. And when I went up there, there was no tooth. So I was pissed off by that. And I paid the money going through the toll and I paid the money both ways. So I was pissed off about that. That was two ninety each way, which is what the six, seven, say it was that two, two, two to the two to the two is the four, and then the nine and the nine is the eight and the one. So then you got the five and the um five five eighty. We'll say actually yeah, it's five eighty. So I paid five eighty. So there you go. That's a lot of money to be paying just to drive on a road. That pissed me off. Only to get told that there's no tooth for me in Dublin. Thank you very much, but I won't give their name away because they're doing a great job. And um, just wanted to say as well that I'll be going back. And next time I do go back, I'll get that tooth by. You know, a man, is, is it's nice to have a tooth. People look at you differently when you lose a tooth. I don't know, it's not the same. My parents don't give me the same level of respect when they see that I'm missing a tooth. Because it's a tooth at the front. Excuse me, I'm after kicking a box down underneath the, the table. But uh, it's a tooth at the front of my mouth. And that's why it's it looks weird when it's gone. People say to me, what have you been up to? And I mightn't have been doing anything. I might have been just like relaxing at home watching Tipping Point or something like that on the television. And they're like, what's wrong? What's What happened to you? No, no, I just don't have a tooth at the front of my mouth. You know, it's one of those uh, pre-molars. So it's not really as good as the molar itself. It's just a bit... I don't know, that was a shite joke. But you know what I mean anyways. It's, it's uh, right there in front. You know, you're not going to miss it. But for the moment, anyways, I've got this sort of uh, retainer jabby on. And it kind of covers the tooth. So it looks, it looks the part, you know. You wouldn't even know it. You wouldn't know it. But anyways, I just wanted to start this podcast by being a bit vulnerable and saying that, yeah, I'm, I'm missing the tooth and I can't wait to get it back. And it's amazing the technology that they have now where they can create tooth out of bone from your hip. They can make it in a lab- laboratory, laboratory, whatever you want to call it. They can make it up very quickly too. And these are little little teeth that can last you for 20 or 30 years. It's good as real teeth. And that's something that I was half tempted to do actually. Because I've had about six years, seven years, I'd say, of dental work. And it hasn't been great to be honest. Well, it's been all right. But I keep getting told something new like, oh, you have a very bad overbite. Or oh, do I? Well, can you fix it then, please? Yeah, we'll fix it. But then that might give you an underbite. Oh, here we go again. You know, I know my dentist better than I know my own fucking father. Well, obviously not like because I fucking know the outlet very well. But I know this fella uh, very well. I'd, I'd see him a lot. He's from Lebanon. And we'd always have the crack. He's always talking to me, though, when he's got something in my mouth. If you know what I mean. I obviously mean um, dental equipment. I haven't a clue what the name of any of it is. They're always telling me and I'm like, I don't know what that means. The other day, one of them was saying to me, you know, um, this eye tooth here, this eye tooth is looking like it might have something wrong with it. 
I was like, an eye tooth? I've never heard of a fucking eye tooth. And I said, which, which one is that now? And she goes, it's like the canine tooth. They call it the eye tooth for some reason. But um, she was saying anyways that I might have to get that removed. She said, you might. I don't know. We'll see. And I'm like, that's the most vague thing you could ever tell anybody. Do you want me to get rid of the tooth or not? Because I know people that owe me favours. Speaking of which, back in the day, if you do want to get rid of a tooth, what you would do is you would tie that tooth on a string and you'd pull the door. Or else you'd tie your tooth on a string to the steering wheel of the car and then you'd drive into town. And then you'd be left without a tooth and you'd use that trip into town to get yourself some painkillers. Such as, could be mouthwash, could be putching, whatever it is. But that's the way they used to deal with it back in the day. But nowadays, if you see the technology that they have there, it's amazing. X-ray machines, um, other things like that. Very, very impressive equipment in there. State of the art as well. But I do feel sorry for them there in the hospital because currently at the moment, there's a building going on right beside it. I think it's a children's hospital and it's the most expensive building in the world. It's costing billions. And there was a company that came in to figure out why this building is costing so much money. They couldn't understand why this building was becoming the most expensive building in the world. So they said, well, we're going to come in, we're going to check the books, we're going to check to see the targets and everything. See what's going on here. Why come all this money's getting spent? So they went in anyways. And then when they were coming out, they said, yeah, you know what, we're actually going to have to double our own estimate of what this job was going to cost us. Because it's a big job. So there's lads going around saying this is a big job and they're getting paid double. Now, where's that money come from? You tell me. But anyways, they're under pressure in there as well, the nurses and doctors, you see, because there's all this noise going on, you know, the lads drilling. Now, I don't know if the drilling was in relation to that hospital, but I know that they're very close anyways. But um, there was lads walking in and out of, like, secret doors, wearing Snickers pants, and they were pushing around equipment, and they were um, working very hard, very quick, but they all looked stressed. And every 10 minutes, you know, you'd hear... And that must have been wrecking their heads because the people on reception, you could just see that their heads were getting melted. And then people were coming in with the masks, you know, and asking questions and all such stuff like that, you know. And someone would sit down in the wrong chair and there was chairs down there. But some of the chairs, you can't sit on them now because of COVID. So they have their circle around them saying, do not sit here. So when I went over to my seat, it was, uh, this time it was fairly empty. The day I went in was fairly empty, so I was looking in that way. But other days it's been packed if you stand up there, watching the chase on television. Now, if that's not going to send you over the edge, I don't know what will. Now, I was going to talk a small bit about gigs. Not the footballer that cheated on his wife with his brother's wife, but the actually doing gigs. And one in particular that keeps coming to mind when I think about them is Jobstown. I did a gig there years ago in Jobstown and I was as nervous as a bowl of shite I was. Imagine trying to, oh, I don't even want to think about it, but that's how nervous I was. It was just, you know, my stomach was going. I was like thinking to myself, what am I doing? What am I, what am I even doing here? What the hell was I thinking? Going up on stage, talking in front of people. That's the craziest thing ever. What are you thinking about, man? And I was I remember like watching in Jobstown, like the stage was there in front of you, then everyone was sitting around, and then the back, 
was all the people that were going up to do a bit of talking on stage. So I was there waiting with another few lads and slowly but surely they're like, right, you're going to be up in two more lads now and then you'll be up. And I was like, oh, how long do you want me to do? And he's like, oh, just 10 minutes, whatever, 15 minutes. And I thought, oh, that'll be, you know, I, you think it might be easy to do 10, 15 minutes, but by God, your mouth will get dry after 30 seconds if you're not careful, bye. You want to bring a drink with you and everything like that too. But um, anyways, right before I was meant to go on, I was like, I'm just going to run out the door there and leg it into town. Run and don't stop running, do a forest gump on it. But um, anyways, then I said, fuck, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. So I said, all right, I'm going to stay here. Start breathing, start breathing, just start feeling good. Okay, brilliant. More relaxed, fell into a bit of a zen state of mind. I went up on stage with a board in my hand with my jokes on it, my cue points for my jokes, just so I could see them. You know, I was going to put it in a place where no one else could see it except me. So anyways, I got up on stage, breathing still. Hello, everybody, how are you getting on? Way, they're all having the crack. Jobstown people are very lively. They're very much like Mayo people. They're just mad for the crack. And anyways, my board fell and then I forgot every single joke I had. So I had to be up there for the first 10 minutes going, so um, what are you up to the weekend? And they were looking at me going, well, I've got a couple of pints. And I was like, oh yeah, what pints you be drinking? And they're like, yeah, this, maybe, how you can, I don't know. And then I was like, oh yeah, book of drinks. The drink is great, isn't it? And then it was just like cockroaches a few times and I thought to myself, oh no, I'm fucked. I'm fucked. And then all of a shot, Boom, out of the middle of nowhere, my memory comes back and all my jokes come flooding. So I bang out the first joke, it gets no laugh. I bang out the second joke, it gets no laugh. I bang out the third, fourth and fifth joke, gets no laughs. And I completely bombed that night. And, uh, you know, it was tough to take. It was a tough body shot to take. Because up to that point, you know, I was thinking, oh, maybe I am kind of funny enough. And then I said, look up the stage now and I'll, I'll see what the crack is. And I went up there and, oh, bejesus, I was fucking... I'll tell you one thing. The car journey out of that place, I was nearly fucking in tears by. Nearly in tears I was talking to some lad and he was like, oh yeah, keep keep doing the gigs. You just got to keep doing them, keep doing them, keep doing them. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to do so many gigs. Um, but anyways, I'm glad I did it. Glad I did it, you know. And uh, the thing about the gigs is that what I've learned from them is... You know, you get, uh, you kind of give yourself a resilience because sometimes you'll go to venues where you completely bomb and you just think, oh God, this is bad. People don't like me in this town. There was one time before in Bray and I love Bray. It's a beautiful place, beautiful food out there, lovely walk. Anytime I'm out there, I always think about Katie Taylor because I know she boxes out there. But anyways, sometimes I go out there for walks, but I had a gig out there once. It was a comedy festival and when people go to comedy festivals, they want to laugh. They want to have the crack. So anyways, the presenter came on stage and he's like, he's very professional, very, very quick off the draw. And everyone's like, ha you're brilliant. You're great. Like, and he said, he couldn't put a foot wrong, this lad, basically. Now he goes then and he introduces one of the lads from Hardy Bucks. And I was going on first. And then Eddie Durkin was going on after me. So when I went on first, I was meant to do, I think it was 15 minutes but I rushed through my material so quickly that I had my material finished in about seven minutes. And because I rushed through quickly, people were looking at me going, what's this lad talking about? I was referencing things in Mayo and they were looking at me going, what are you talking about? Who the hell is fucking Jimmy McCann? I know I don't know him. So um, that one was a tough flow to take. 
because I love Bray. And then every time I thought about Bray, I thought about that gig and thought, made me feel like, Jesus, the people don't want, what if they see me shopping? And I have to tell them that my job, the one I do for a living, you came to see me do it very badly. There was guilt there, you know. And that night after the gig, I went into a chipper. And I remember buying a bag of chips and a burger, I think it was. And the fella behind the counter, he was, uh, turns out he was a Turkish fella from Istanbul. And he says to me, oh, how are you doing? What are you up to? And I just said, oh, I was just, just going for a walk. And he was looking at me. He thought I was down, you know, he thought I was down in the, in the dumps. He's like, oh, nice walk out here, though, no? You know, and I, I couldn't bring myself to tell him that I'd just done a shit gig. So I took my chips and burger and I got them in the car park, which, you know, and then I looked out the window and those people celebrating and dancing away. And I don't know what they're celebrating or dancing to, but they looked like they were having a great time. Meanwhile, I was in my car eating chips and a burger and a can of Coke. So not only do I feel bad about the gig, but 25 minutes to 30 minutes from now, all this carb dump is going to hit me gonna make me feel like a fucking saggish buds no but in fairness now the burger was lovely and the chips were delicious and the coke and i'm not a fan of coke normally but i had one lovely and i went into town and i felt grand and you know it's one of those things where yes it is tough to take and every job has it every job and every situation in life has these situations where you're kind of faced with asking yourself what am i doing what can i do that job am i was i talking on my arse for my whole life there about that was i but you know what that's part of the learning curve too and that's what I say to myself anyways and uh, you have to keep getting back up on the horse and every job has it you know there's something about your job or your life as I said that maybe annoys you and that's one of the things that really annoyed me when I bomb on stage because I feel guilty you know I feel like I've let people down but anyways to cut a long story short I because I get, I get really panicky before gigs you know to the point where I can't even enjoy the backstage crack I can't enjoy talking to anyone. If someone talks to me that day, I'm snappy. I'm like, leave me alone. Get away from me. You know, I'm not that much like I'm not that much of a diva. You know, I wouldn't be like Vin Diesel in between takes of Fast and Furious 9 or anything. But I would be, uh, I'd be nippy enough now. So I would. So what I'm trying to do this time now is uh, before this, this tour starts, October, November, hope to see you along the road. And I also have the Wild Roots coming up in August the 14th in Schlago. Looking forward to seeing the Schlago boys. But what I'm trying to do now is I'm trying to do as much getting up airy as I can. I got a Fitbit. Can you believe it? I got myself a fucking Fitbit. Well, actually, someone someone lent me a Fitbit. At the beginning, I was like, oh, these are only Fitbits. These are no good. Who the hell would be using a Fitbit? You got to charge the Fitbit now. It's another thing to charge. You can't call anyone on the, on the Fitbit. You know, you can't look at pictures on the Fitbit. And before I knew it, I was madly in love with my Fitbit. Madly enough, power walking around the village, waving at people, asking people do they want to go for walks, um, checking my calories. There's a little breathing technique on the on this little Fitbit too. And when you open up the Fitbit, when you turn your wrist and the Fitbit opens up, you can put a picture of whatever you want there. So if you wanted, for example, if you wanted to put a picture of, you know, a pet dog that you have, or maybe a picture of your great-great-grandmother, or, you know, it could be a picture of, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, something that motivates you. You can put whatever you want there. That's the beautiful thing about the Fitbit. And I would, I have to say, I'm an avid Fitbit wearer because it makes me more aware of my habits. And that's something that I need to keep in track, on track all the time. And um, anyways, the way I'm dealing with the nerves for this one is I'm trying to get out walking, using the Fitbit, as I said. And um, 
I'm trying to do trying to stay as relaxed as I can because nowadays the hustle culture it's always like you got to produce 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 in every job every single industry in the world you know has it probably like a first world problem that I complain about there so if it is I'm sorry about that but um, I'm trying to uh, I suppose stop talking about it and just do it as, as we, they would have said back in the day because another thing I used to do I'm trying to get rid of now but I find it a hard sh- habit to shake is that when I'm doing something for example if I'm out running I'll tell someone and I'm not doing it to show off maybe I am but I'm not trying to do it to show off but I'll say to someone I went for a 10 mile run there today yeah I might try and do a marathon and then they'll be like oh you're serious a marathon Jesus fucking hell that's good going that's a lot yeah 42 kilometres you know and you're taking the credit already you've done nothing like and you're just like yeah 42 kilometres but it's Listen, it's going to be tough, but listen, we'll get there, you know, and look, you know, we'll hit the wall, we'll hit the running wall, but we'll get there. The person's looking at me going, Jesus, fair play to you, man, you must be fit. And you're taking in all this credit, making yourself feel good. When deep down, you mightn't have even bought yourself a pair of runners. fixtures and results. Joining me tonight today in the studio is none other than Juan from Spain. Juan from Spain, how are we getting on? He's uh, doing uh, so good. Uh, thank you for uh, having me on the show. Yes, no problem at all, Juan. Now let's get right into it. Let's go shape for Spain. Spain have a decent country this year, Juan. What do you make of the chances this year on winning the Euros 2020? Is uh, chances uh, like uh, uh, a pocket full of uh, crystal? Uh, you don't, uh, you know, you don't. Uh, what's the fuck word? Uh, you don't f- find uh, unless you look for crystal. Unless you have hand in pocket, uh, pocket uh, pantalones. Uh, no sé, español, inglés. So. Okay, so let's move on a small bit from there. You're saying Spain, you know, they still have the chance of winning potentially some bit of silverware along the way of the Euro 2020s, but will they beat the likes of the Italians or the Netherlands or the English or those kind of teams? Do they have the skill power to beat those teams, Juan? Uh, skill power is like uh, the, the craftsman is only as good as his uh, tools. Uh, so it's depend uh, depend on the jugar no sé es un poco diferente para mí right 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 okay so so let's let's talk a bit about David De Gea the goalkeeper for Spain and Manchester United captains around moment currently the highest paid Premier League player what's your make of De Gea as a goalkeeper Juan do you like him is great uh, all time great uh, goalkeeper uh, ball ball stop he stopped the ball so good, uh, like uh, Schmeichel, uh, Van de Sar, very good in, I believe, the greatest uh, goalkeeper in the last two years in, in, in El Mundo. No sé, Mundo en inglés, pero sí, es Mundo, ¿no? We're going to leave it at that. Thank you very much for the coverage. We'll see you folks very soon. You've heard it straight from the horse's mouth. Spain to win it. Now, speaking of Euro 2020s, I haven't watched a game and it's a big change in my life. I used to be football mad and when I wake up in the morning, the first face I would see in my bedroom was Nicky Butt. The reason why I had a huge poster of Nicky Butt above 
my bedroom door and I'd look up in the morning and it was him there in front of me and he was the fella that fucking guided me through my teenage years. And that's why I love football so much. I love to watch it. But nowadays I haven't watched it. So I haven't watched it for the year 2020s and I feel a bit guilty about that because as I said, I used to love football and I was a great footballer back in the day. I um, played left back, right back, centre back, left wing, right wing, centre midfield. I remember one time I played centre midfield with French toast and um, we didn't really play good for the first three or four games. But then about five games into it, we were playing against some team and we were meant to lose. They were the best team in Mayo by a long shot. They had they had uh, dugouts, they had changing rooms, they had stadium, they had a home and an away kit. So they had money coming out their arse. And we were playing against them. They We conceded a goal because what happened was, there was this fella, right? He came over from England and he had been telling everyone that he was brilliant, but he could never make it to training. So everyone thought this, this level must be class. But he could never make it to train. But no one could also prove. Because in them days there was no social media. So no one could really prove who this lad was. And maybe he was some hotshot from America. Or sorry, from England. That was just so good that you know we, we couldn't make head nor tail of him. He'd get on the pitch and he'd be, he'd be levels ahead of us. So he said he could never train. He'd call up and say, I can't make it today, lad. Sorry about that. Just got a bit of a tummy bug. Or he might have hurt his, his toe or something like that. And he wouldn't turn up. So where he was playing this day against these this team that were meant to hammer us. So we, not only was we seven French toast in midfield, we were getting used to each other, the whole team was getting used to each other, but we had this one extra lad from England who was going to get round everyone and score a goal in the top corner. The game started up, the referee blew the whistle for the tip, we got the tip off. The fella from England, he stood back when the ball was rolled to him and he took a shot from the halfway line and the ball went out for a fucking throw-in. That's how bad it was. It went out for a throw-in. I wouldn't mind it if he'd maybe hit the goalkeeper on the head or maybe it rolled into the goalkeeper's hands or it just bobbled out the side for a goal kick. It went out for a throw-in. That's how bad he was, this guy. And everyone looked at each other and said, we're, f- we're fucked today. If this is meant to be our star player, and everyone was talking about this lad too, and he'd cool predator football boots that only himself and David Beckham wore. And he had the proper ones. Because there used to be three types of football boots you could buy in Predator. There was the, the proper top-of-the-range ones where the likes of David Beckham probably wore them. Then there was a level down. They were around 70 or 80 euro. They were really good as well. They were not perfect, but they were very good. You could curl the ball really well with them. And then there was the really shitty plastic ones. They were around 20 quid. But they were good for quick games. You know, you'd be in and out. You'd be no messing around. But, you know, if you played a game in them, you'd be suffering. And I always had boots that were either too small for me or too big for me. I never got a proper pair of boots that fitted me. One time I did. They were yellow or yellow with orange stripes through them. I wore them to one game. And I thought to myself, never again. Because when you lose the ball with you got fancy shoes on, everyone's looking at you laughing. So there's so much pressure on you and I don't want that pressure. So now I'm just like, pick a pair of fucking white boots and then lose a pair of black boots. Or maybe pink, depending on, you know, depending on the form. But anyways... In this particular game, seven French toes, centre midfield, your man shot the ball and fucking went out for a throw. And my manager looked over and says, what the hell was that all about? He goes, sorry about that, I'm just not warmed up yet. Anyways, we ended up winning the game 2-1. But your man had to be taken off after 10 minutes because he was so bad. He was he didn't even know where to stand when the ball went out for a throw. Like someone was throwing the ball to him and he, he grabbed it into his hands and he dropped it on the ground. 
And that was the referee like looking around going, is this lad, is he on something? But in a way, it kind of worked out in our favour because the other team thought we were really a gang of weirdos. Because we were all kind of laughing, you know. We were all laughing at this lad who didn't really know the rules of football. And yet we thought he was going to be a star player. So it was kind of funny, you know. And we were also we were meant to be beaten too, so the pressure was off. There was no, no need to worry about it too much. And they scored the first goal. They did. A header that came in. I should have went up for the header, but I just left it. Too fucking lazy, to be honest. And when I seen my man jumping up for the ball, I just thought to myself, you bloody attention seeker. That's all you are. But anyways, we turned things around. Seven French toast. We kicked into fifth gear, second half. You should have seen us. Oh my God. You know Xavi and Messi for Barcelona? Double it. You're not even halfway there. We were one twos, three fours. We were curling the ball around to each other. You know, we were, oh, I remember one time, some lad, who was the centre midfielder for their team, and he was really tall, much taller than us. But he was running towards us and uh, seven French toast tackled him at the same time. Not only did we get the ball, but he had to be taken off. Thankfully, it wasn't that bad of an injury. It was just for that game. So that was fine. He got taken off. And people were like, oh, those two lads in centre midfield look very tough. I think French toast had a, he might have pulled a knife on someone as well. Or maybe a gun. I forget which, which one it was. But we put them in their place, you know, and, it's, you know. It's all to do with intimidation and confidence when you're out there in the football field. And I want to wish all my fellow friends who do play football and anyone of the Euros who's playing football the very best of luck. And I'm looking forward to watching some games as well. And um, that's all for this week's books. Thanks very much as well for listening to the podcast. Really do appreciate it. Uh, I wanted to finish off just with a question that I got sent in. And uh, this fella called Colm said to me, What's the first thing I'm going to do when everything opens up again? And we're in a state of limbo now at the moment because things are kind of like semi-opening up but there's different procedures for everything and different towns have different procedures to the next town. Different shops have different procedures. Um, I went for a, I went for a sandwich there the other day. And I remember saying, do I sit here? And she's like, no, no, you sit there. And I was like, okay. And then I moved over to that seat and then I was like, do I go up in order? No, no, don't come near us. We'll, we'll come down to you. Right. So then I sat down there and then nobody came to me. So I started walking up. They go, no, sit down. And I went to sit down again. And uh, I said, can I get a BLT, please? And then they gave me a BLT and a pint of my wadi. It was lovely. No complaints at all. I had a lovely time. I know I'm giving out there, but no, it was it was great service. You know, and the mask situation is annoying for everyone. But the first thing that I'm going to do when everything else does open up, you know, I was thinking about it there recently. To go down the river for a swim. Now that river down by my house, there'll be cow shite and everything going running down the the stream of it. So, you know, it used to be a much deeper river and more fish and everything like that. But nowadays, it's not that good. But I was going to go in for old times' sake. But one more thing. Sorry about all the butts. But this is one more thing. If you're swimming in a field nowadays, you know, just if you're swimming like in a in a river that's running through a field, and you're in a pair of shorts, you know, you don't really see that anymore. So if I start doing that, people might be looking over me going, that lad's fucking lost it. Why isn't he inside the laptop? That's how people are nowadays, you know. They don't want to see you outside. So I might do it just as a sort of rebellious thing and, and bring down a bar of soap in honour of my father. He's bringing a bar of soap in the back of the jeans and he'd go down to the river and have an old bath for himself. And I might do that as well. But it might have to be an organic soap. God knows where I get one of those. But anyways, 
and maybe maybe Tesco or maybe one of the lads in town has one. Um, I know a lad getting out of prison actually. He said to me he might be selling me a couple of bars of soap, secondhand jab. Anyways, folks, to cut a long story short, I'm going to head off now. Thank you very much for all the support in the podcast. It really does mean a lot to me. And thanks to Golden Bake once again for all the support. It really does mean a lot to me. Thank you very much, folks, and have a lovely weekend of it. Take care. Enjoy yourself. Bye-bye. See you soon. Okay, bye.